I sent a message that my daughter won't marry a sweeper. So then Nirdunga Maharaj took it that this is an insult against Jagannath. He's not sweeping the road, municipal sweeper, he's sweeping, he's tumbling himself before the Lord. And they went on a big, so they declared war against that king, and uh, defend the honor of Jagannath. So uh, the whole army was marching against the other army, and they're going to meet in some place for a fighting. On the way, there was a lady selling yogurt. An old lady, village lady selling yogurt, and uh, she saw two young uh, generals, princes, riding on horses came by, and they said, how much for the yogurt? We want some yogurt. And she says, well, you have to pay me so much. She says, we don't have any money. Give us a yogurt king, uh, Indraduna is coming. You can give him this uh, ring and then he'll reimburse you for the yogurt. She said, okay. The people were so honest then. If somebody got a gold ring, who's going to get it to get the, you know, the few pints paisa for the nowadays? You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> But she was such an honest lady that she was supposed to give the ring to the king and then get what she was due. She didn't want to take more than what she was due. She's trying to see the king, but people say, we can't see the king, where are you? You're just some of say, no, I have to give the king this ring, you know, I have to give my money. And the king, what's going on, bring it over. And she said, two of your princes uh, came and they gave, uh, <coughs> they took my yogurt and they gave me this ring and said that if I give you, you pay me for the yogurt. So let me see that ring. When he got the ring, he almost fell off his uh, chariot. He said, this is Jagannath's ring. What did these two princes look like? Some was very dark color, kind of bluish tint, riding on a white horse. The other one was white color, riding on a gray horse. The one with the dark color had a peacock feather in his hair, and the other one had a white uh, feather. <laughs> so then the news came to the whole army that uh, Krishna and Balaram had come and given their blessings. So then they knew they were going to be victorious. Because war, you never know what's going to happen. So then after this, the whole thing was uh, worked out. Finally, they didn't have to fight when they were facing each other. And then somehow the thing was negotiated. So such a big issue. So this uh, tradition was being followed by Prataparudra, but before Krishna is sweet. And here, somehow Lord Mayor got inspired in this speaking. Actually, the king, even then I saw him poor, he does for about five minutes. This did was because he humbled himself before Krishna that impressed Lord Chaitanya. Then Lord Chaitanya was 
inclined to give him mercy. By doing seva, we can get more mercy. And then we can see how Prabhupada, he was very happy over the London Ratyatra and uh, we used to go to Trafalgar Square. For many years we were going to Balsi Park, Balsia Park. Battersea. Park. But now, since the past few years, they're going back again to Trafalgar Square. And uh, Prabhupada liked that. They were comparing here that the, from the ground it looked like the rats were like compared to Mount Sumeru. <laughs> In London they compared to the Nelson Monument. So here are rats. It was towering. <clears throat> Because of Mr. Jane's able stewardship, somehow the rats could squeeze through the narrow streets and then smash in the car. <laughs> so like this, if we want to please the Lord, uh, it's not so difficult, we should do something. We can get Lord Chaitanya's mercy if we do something to serve Krishna. We should think what in our life we can do something for Krishna. Or how we can regularly do some service to Krishna. Without difficulty, we can get Lord Chaitanya's mercy. Lord Chaitanya gives his mercy very freely. At the same time, if one really wants some higher blessings, we shouldn't expect just a total freebie. We should be willing to do something for the Lord. We got the opportunity of devotional service, but what are we going to do with it? It's like somebody gives you money. Say your father gives you some money. You want to see how you're going to use it, how you invest it, how you use it wisely. Sometimes in a rich family, you see how the ch children are being responsible to see that they won't squander all the hard-earned wealth of the parents when they inherit so we're all children of Krishna, so we all inherit a little bit of mercy. But before we can cash in on that, the Lord wants us, He gives us some mercy and sees how we use it. Gives us a devotional service. Now how do we use that freedom to do that service? So doing devotional service is the greatest mercy. Because when we do this service to Krishna, that there's an opportunity to become really intimately united with Him, connected to Him. And uh, then through that connection we can transcend all kinds of obstacles and we can achieve His perfection. Leave some extra time for question and answers today.
Hare Krishna. Thank Krishna. Welcome. Thank you. Arjun, any question? She has to go to work. She goes first to him. <coughs> Here it's very new in the West, but not so much new anymore. It used to be very new. Initially it was like selling hot cakes or something. And everybody, all the young people were interested. Now it's not so easy. religion and, uh, or it has to do with God, you get a certain number of people who are uh, negative to that. So rather you find in India that uh, some people, they know that, well, this is to do with God, this is something with religion, so they have preconceived uh, prejudices. Whereas sometimes in the West they don't really know what it is, and so they're just like curiosity to find out. So that's an advantage. But then it depends on how you present it to people, whether they'll continue, <coughs> continue pursuing it. <coughs> Other thing Prabhupada said is that in the West, when people don't have any contact with Krishna consciousness, they haven't committed any offenses. Where in India, says someone's on a lot of contact, they committed many apparatus already to gurus and Krishna. And just like some of the modern cinema, they always like to spoof Godmen and spoof avatars and make fun of them. So all these things are offensive and they cover and they, they are blockages in their spiritual progress. So people who've already been exposed to offensive statements. <coughs> They have a harder time to
to uh, surrender to Krishna than someone who's just coming fresh and doesn't have such a contact, offensive uh, contact. But then after Krishna comes has been around for a while, the people get a chance to make offense. Everybody is present in France, in and we've been having that kind of atmosphere in the time we've gone. So we exactly don't need to be in any consciousness, like Krishna conscious or something. It's there in the family. You're born that way. So you need to go in any cult that way. You That's still, what he said. That it has to be in a big way. Big way. So then Not only you get to It's coming in newspapers now. And people, if you go to Bombay and all, and a thousand, two thousand Mayapur. Why in Calcutta? Calcutta. Everywhere, smaller like Pune and so many places now they are having temples. Everywhere. Even Rath you have in Madhya Pradesh, Rath are going to Rath you Yeah, this day when you were standing maybe in the initial first thing in India, but now it's really taken off. We, come, we have to be very relevant to the people. New house programs, new different programs for the people. There are big festivals are taking away with interesting speakers. And they get involved. Have beautiful campaigns. And this is this house, if you have a small place and you have to really organize it very well so that it's like a little jewel. Very well, you know. And people will be you know, Okay. You're going to remodel, I heard, the house and build a new kitchen and spend the temple and you can take an opportunity of seeing over the whole facilities here and how to make it, you know, 21st century UK standard. <laughs> With the Indian touch. <coughs> Think what facilities and what, what, what the time a person walks in the door, what they see, what they do, where they go, how you see people, how you sitting, reception, programs. The time after where they take prasadam, where they wash their hands, where they all <coughs> plan out the whole thing so that it's completely uh, organized in such a way that people get the best possible use and impression. In America, they did a study of all the religious groups and then the this one, I don't know who did this, I'm going to study different aspects. So they said philosophy, Krishna consciousness is number one. That's philosophy. Then they did a study about uh, dealing, friendliness, receptions, nice you know, personal care. And Krishna consciousness is down the bottom. Other groups who don't have any philosophy, they don't have any proper idea, <laughs> but they're very expert, you know, when they come in the door, welcome you, sit you down, treat you real nice, you know. And so they get the converts. 
There's a dealing center on there. And people, they don't, most people don't have the intelligence to go in what's actually the philosophy. These people treated me nice. And you go to the Mormons, and they treat you so nice. And they tell about family, all of the family together and everything. And so people convert, and even hardly anybody knows what their philosophy is. They don't even believe in God. Their concept is something totally different. They have a concept that, uh, like a Brahma, they believe in Brahma, that there's one universal creator in every universe, and if you, uh, he produces all the progeny, creates all the living entities. They heard this from one angel, Gabriel, and he's the father of Jesus. And if you are a pious man in your life, the next life you can become a, one of these universal creators. Have your own universe, you can populate it. And in this way you can also become father of Jesus. So it's kind of, but who's the, if you ask them who's the actual supreme above all these universal creators, we don't know that it was not revealed to us. First impression, what do you want to but the, what the people get, what they don't know, I mean, most people, if they knew all this, we, we, we went in there, <laughs> squeezed out from them, what's actually your philosophy? This is all nice smiles and the sweets and the sit down, you know, what do you really believe? You know, we kept pushing and pushing and pushing, until finally we got it out from them, what they really believe. But most people, even when they convert, they don't know what they believe. <laughs> they just know that they're family-oriented and they treat you nice and you're... They believe in Jesus. But they believe in Jesus as son of Brahma. Something like that. Brahma's putra. Maybe he is Brahma's putra. Or something like that. No, but it's a little bit. So we want to, at least that we have the greatest philosophy, but we should also treat the people as nice as one. Uh, Professional Peter Burwa, she's a Prabhupada disciple, not initiated, but he accepted him like under his shelter, but he never got initiated. He's one of the famous tennis professionals for training. He has trainers all over the world. He's a vegetarian and has all those people. They have to sign a pact, no drinking and no, no, no non-veg. And he's really heavy, and once they drink, even once they just take a sip, out. But anyway, so this, he goes now and he mainly does seminars. He gets paid $5,000 a day to do seminars on service. The service industry is one of the biggest industries, it's not the biggest industry in the world today. So one time he came to Dallas, Texas for a North American uh, continental meeting with all the leaders and he gave a seminar. He said, why should the hotels and airlines be famous for service? He said, actually the Hare Krishna movement, Dharma is service. The hotels and airlines should be coming to the Hare Krishna movement to learn how to serve their clients. That should be the, that should be the standard we should have. The whole world should be wanting to learn from us. But it's not like that, you know, unfortunately. When we say that our dharma is that 
Atiti Naraya, my guest comes, he should be treated like God. If our gurus come, we treat him nice, maybe if, the, if Krishna really walked in the door, hopefully we treat him okay, but they don't like. <coughs> if we believe that any guest could be Krishna in disguise, do we treat all the guests as if it was Krishna in disguise? The Prophet said that every temple should have a puri, dough, in the morning and sabjis cooked. Whoever comes here, you sit them down, feed them hot puris right off the fire, right off the fire with the sabji. Has anyone in this camp got a hot puri and sabji since Prabhupada said that? That was the standard Prabhupada wanted. We come in the temple, you get fed, you get dined, forget the other, you, know, you get China meted, you get all the nice treatments you will use, and they never want to, you want to always come back to that place. <clears throat> so that's where so many small institutions uh, surpass because uh, they have developed that uh, culture. So now more and more devotees are, are, are learning. It's one of our congregational preaching ministries' uh, objectives to make uh, temples as places of pilgrimage for the congregation so that the congregation of visitors they will see the, the temple as the home for them to come and visit and get some support. <clears throat> so there's many factors. There's some temples have very big buildings but people don't feel at home in them. You know anything like that? Sorry, you? Opulent temples where it's all commercialized. So the more that you can see how to be relevant to the people. Those big buildings attract masses of people at India. My idea was, or my understanding was like in America or England or Europe, to build something really big costs so much money. And it still won't impress people because there's always someone who's something bigger and you know that they've had. Right? In India, a little Prabhupada used a little bit of money to build some monuments that were very impressive to people who don't have so many new modern religious monuments coming up. So it, it went a, a long way. But here it's not so easy to do such a big monument cost millions and millions of dollars to build anything. Right? They built that uh, Millennium Dome and everything was a big flat. Even if you built something big, it doesn't mean people don't like it. So they have something that's uh, well organized. And they have the service side, outreach program, the dealings. Whatever facility we have is neat, clean, nice, and then it's oriented to serving the people's, the devotees' needs. I think over the years the manor's done that a lot. They, they know we have so many programs for the weddings and samskaras and house programs. And they have a reception team, I think, when people come on the weekend. I'm not sure exactly. I think they've improved that a lot, what I heard. So here in Birmingham, let's see what your goals are, how to achieve. This is a, it was around just the largest city 
in England, they put London in another category. So my cities, this is the largest. <clears throat> this, is, this is quite a cosmopolitan city to a lot of different ethnic groups are here. Municipality is giving such a nice support. I was surprised yesterday when I went into the parking lot of the municipal building there and they're blaring away Hare, Hare Krishna Ramp. The food for life there was blaring Hare Krishna Ramp and the whole echoing in the building. And uh, they're cooking there. I mean, what a municipal building lets you cook in their parking lot, you know, it's a big, you know, the karagis and everything and it's cooking out there. <laughs> even in Calcutta, I don't think. <laughs> they won't even let you, you know, you can't even cook in the park, but to speak of the municipal building, you, know, you have to find your own place and cook and bring it. So they get so cooperative here. Plus, they, I, I didn't announce it because I didn't, I didn't want other groups to uh, get envious. But they actually gave us two thousand pound uh, grant for the festival. Well, what municipalities that give money for such a festival? That's over a lakh and a half of rupees. What do you think? <coughs> so that's a wonderful. Uh, one hour he was just. You could have, a, once a year, you could have some big banquet with all the town councillors, vegetarian banquet or something, you know, maybe further cultivate the relationship. If you have big supporters that would uh, contribute for building a temple, maybe get some central land from the government, what schools they have. Or so I'm just saying here that the one street was a dead street, and they just put a big convention hall, and now it's become the biggest street. In. It's some cultural, Krishna well, Kanthapraya cultural center. Here are very active, how to keep Krishna consciousness relevant and interesting for them. How to get them on the fire. I was talking to Raghunath, the lead singer of the Shelter Band. He said so many times they got the young straight edge punk rockers uh, inspired and when they came and joined a temple. But they were like with this, just like people uh, in was lecturing us, said this is a revolution. The youth, you know, the whole vision of the spiritual revolution, change the world, make a difference. They join the temple, they handed some room and say, clean the toilet, you know, clean the room. Nothing happening, no preaching, no. And so then they feel like, uh, what is my revolution? What am I doing? So you need to make everyone really see how we can play a part.
and changing the way people think. And think about. I want to thank uh, Ashok Jain and his family and friends for coming. He's one of our, uh, he was uh, well, the main supporter in the Gohati Assam, and then he shifted to Calcutta, and he's still supporting a movement there. And he's uh, he's uh, under my shelter also, he's active, uh, all we're all practicing Krishna consciousness. So there we have a tour of the UK, and I told him that uh, we were going to leave on the uh, 9th, I think, and I told him we're having Rakhiatra on 11, so they postponed their departure to attend this festival. <laughs> What's your realization? May I found that a uh, lot more can be done here. People are still at the Jigyasu stage here. Jigyasu, enthusiastically. And when I was speaking to a lot of people who came, mostly Punjabis and Gujaratis here, they said, I'm coming for the first time. So if what you said, people can go and uh, make small teams and go to houses, make a list of people who are enthusiastic. The two lakh uh, Indians staying here, I understand. 200,000. And uh, they really want this uh, Krishna consciousness, they were very impressed yesterday when I talked to people. They, they look forward. Somebody has to go and then I think so a lot of activity yeah, can be done here. The all, all supports is possible from this place. What I could grasp yesterday. Really, people are very, very keen. Very here. keen. Very fertile land that way. Burning down. And I really enjoyed myself. She liked it very much. She also came from Calcutta. Yes, so I was trying to get the Bhakti Vrsha to take off in the UK, but uh, It's working very well in other places, just uh, where people don't have a mental block about it, yeah, it seems to work very well. Where people would start it and just say, they have this idea that, well, it won't work here. So, it's like, uh, in America they say it won't work here because uh, it works in India because people are outgoing and, and uh, it's their culture, so it works there, but in America, you know, we're more like, uh, rugged individuals and can't do anything in an organized way, so we have to do everything spontaneous and nobody likes to follow any system. They come up with, then in India they say, we can't do this, Americans can do it because they're like, uh, more outgoing people, we're actually, you know, we're kind of shy people and we don't like to. Everyone has their own vision of themselves and so everyone thinks that we can't do it, the other one can do it. This is where they do it, it works. <laughs> Because they can have their pushes through the roadblocks. And uh, people find their own way of how to adjust a little bit to make it suitable to that place. <laughs> I was just in uh, Siberia. There's no temple there. 
Siberia, Russia, the small temples, the one little house like this, I mean, little in Novosibirsk. And so every town they have hundreds of devotees, and they had a festival with 500 devotees, and uh, they're all enthusiastic, big kirtan. But I asked, how many live in the temple? One lady looks at her hand, sat in the Novosibirsk preaching center. Everyone else is congregation, but they're so fired up. Every city there has, uh, last year they had five or six bhakti rishas, this year they have ten or fifteen. It's doubling every year, it's, it's exploding. In places, you know, we won't hear these places. I mean, if I've heard of, like Siberia, even in Russia, they consider, like, you know, I mean, the world, Siberia is like the most out of the place, so very far from uh, anywhere. Just, a, it's like the steppes, flat land, and, Right, uh, wheat, wheat growing, and very few people. But in between there, like from one city to the next, is six or twelve, ten hours drive. But in these cities, there's maybe half a million people, one million people. They're doing the bhakti mission, it's working very well. There's no Indians there, it's all Russian people. <coughs> I don't see any Indians. And then if I am also in some other places, uh, they're doing in, uh, in New Orleans, they're doing a bhakti riksha, both to Indian and American, and it's working quite well. Just getting the people to do it. In, uh, some of our devotees from the uh, Middle East went to Toronto. In one year they set up six groups. The president put uh, two of them on the board of the temples, so this is a really wonderful they do intensively every day house programs, every day going out. Husband and a wife, with the, you know, one takes turn watching the kids, they study, do their studies, the other one go out and do a program. For them, recreation means preaching. That's fun. It's not a burden. It's a burden of love. They love it. So it's giving a, a neutral opinion here. Uh, this is a fertile ground, yeah. 200,000 Indian community. So we did some intensive house programs. And that's why I brought up uh, yesterday Gokula, Devi Dasi, and her husband Chris to the stage and did the Anaprasana. And actually we've done the Anaprasana, did it again. <laughs> Just so that people, because how many Indian families do Anaprasana? Out of 200,000, I don't know, even 1% does it. So we can provide, you know, why only Indian family? Even the Western, uh, you know, there's so many... Well, it will be attractive, you know. Yeah, Not that we're only for the Indian family, but Indian are, you know, obvious the market, and then we want to reach also the ethnic, uh, other citizens here. I was thinking how <laughs> Krishna consciousness has a monopoly on one thing. We're the only religion in the world that has a system to offer uh, spiritual merit to departed relatives. The Buddhists don't believe in uh, in uh, in this. Uh, they don't have. They don't believe in sacrifice, so they don't have that system. And other religions don't even believe in reincarnation. So it's not a question. So we're the only religion that believes that you can send spiritual merit to your forefathers through srat. Yes. Now, everybody has relatives that die, and, and, and now most of the people in the world do believe in reincarnation, even though the religions don't accept it. 
But the people have already figured out it's only thing that makes any sense. So we have a monopoly. If we if we just advertise that service, that we will do a puja for your departed relative. We'll do a we'll do a you know market word it properly and say puja, but we wouldn't say puja. So we do a send spiritual merit, help a you know departed relative from some hellish existence in the next life. We're the only religion that didn't do that. We could, if you want, whoever markets it first, you can have one center in every shopping mall and <laughs> stop in. Hey, I want my Uncle Pete. Could you? Uh, he gives a picture. You know, please do it. <laughs> Send him a gift. You know. He was a nice guy. <laughs> my grandfather. And if you do it, then you're going to preach to all those people. I mean, just just, just, uh, just showing you different ideas. Thank you, Archie. Let it go? Okay. When's your flight? We're going to go to Mayra and then we shall put London. So, I spoke to Shiji Prabhu yesterday. Oh, you haven't been to Mandalay? Mandalay? Straight away I went to Wales and then Scotland. Okay. Dakshina, I have a little. Namahat. We have a Namahat in Swindon, which is um, about 80 miles away from here. The congregation has reduced quite a lot recently. And there's about six now. There used to be quite a few. It's to be about 20, even. A lot have gone. A lot have gone to the manor. <laughs> some have gone to Wales, some have just gone. Some have travelled India and done their own thing. Now there's about six of us left, core members. The thing is, we all work, and like, I've got a little daughter, and married, all of us are married. It's kind of difficult to find the time and preach. <coughs> well, by six is good, they can have a bhakti vision for me. And then there is a icebreaker keep time discussion that can be discussed about the preaching. Sometimes you know invite some uh, charismatic preacher to come and do a program and advertise for the hall and get some new contacts that way. Lose that then and get uh, somewhere you need to gather contacts. That's one way to having some programs or just having house programs and just the people. And then from the house programs you tell that we have a regular weekly meeting. So you make in the week that you have one day a week we you have your regular meeting of your core members. And then another day we have for going out and doing preaching probably or if you have depends how many people you have who are capable of doing different levels of preaching. There's a preaching where you actually go out and give a lecture and we go to Kirtan and talk to people, like house program. 
Then there's preachers just go visit somebody and talk to them. And try to convince them that we should come by or invite them to come. So it takes a little more expertise to give a lecture than it does to visit somebody and talk to them. There's kind of two levels of basic preacher and advanced preacher. So, so if everybody schedules in their week, they get seven days, maybe one day shopping, maybe this one day, whatever holiday you do. one day for the bhakti, for the Namhat meeting, another day for something the outreach program. And if they can get another day in addition, okay, great, but at least like, and then that way, <coughs> gather uh, names. And are you a bhakti vision manual? Um, I haven't, but I can get one. Is there a talks about how to cultivate people? I uh, have a, like a, a Namahata guide that Krip Moya did, and we published it on the internet. It's iskon.org.uk, which is another thing that we do. Publish website. There's a manual. Well, you, you write the site from there. We're trying to do um, Krippamoya, we're trying, we're trying to arrange a tra preacher's travelling guide where we ask the preachers, like at the manor and so on, to write down when they can be available throughout the year. And then we issue that sheet to everybody. Everybody you know, will write down, all the different Namahats or <coughs> congregations will write down when they are available for a preacher to come. And that way, hopefully, everybody knows when a preacher can come and where. That hasn't taken off yet. Just like Bhakti Pushitam Swami is visiting here and heard a couple of days ago they had a house program with hundred people came. Yeah. So somehow if you get the hundred people who are interested might also have another program in their house or like to be more involved. Somehow to get their Names and addresses and let them point them out, visit them, follow them up, organize the program. Nor as they come, they go, or who came, who are Daddy, Mommy! Yeah, you lose the team. Mommy! Getting them contacts and then cultivating those. It's until they self become committed members. Contact, cultivate, commit. Sometimes, Maharaj, what I find is that you can, you can get those interested, but they take so much of your energy to keep them interested. It drains my energy. Just keeping them interested. Some, some members we've had for like two years plus, and they still need your enthusiasm. They still need you to say, come on, let's go out here, let's go there. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm getting drained by telling those that they should know better by now. And this is a problem I find sometimes. Well, it's kind of also an expectation. It's like when you're cooking. What happened? I can still feel it. You called it a word. Um, yeah, I don't need to bring it. Well, I don't need to bring it. So, it's like you're cooking some things, Cook a spinach takes five minutes. Cook a sweet rice takes two hours. You got different things on different burners. 
If you see somebody's, you know, the slow burner, and you know, and you give it a stir once in a while, and someone's, you know, really takes it up, you give them more of your attention because they're gonna, they're gonna be if they, they're gonna become more committed quicker, and they're be able to in turn help to take care of other devotees. Sometimes you can have one person take help of another person, so there's everything doesn't come on your head. Each one, teach one. Each one, help one. Kind of mentor system. So then sometimes one uh, uh, another devotee who doesn't have that much to do, but if they become a mentor for another person that needs that kind of personal care, then uh, suddenly they get fired up that they have to stay on a higher level. Just discussing coming up with programs and uh, going out sometimes, uh, every four or five meetings, going out having a morning, having a picnic meeting, having a coming to the Rocky Archer in Birmingham, uh, one, one week who everyone manages a book table or does so. As a group, they do something. Mm. So that way, then uh, become more exciting and interesting mm. for other people. That's what we do once a year. We we invite Giri up and we do a big festival in Swindon if we can. What we do throughout the year, we collect the Lakshmi together, and once we've got enough, then we'll invite the Hare Krishna festival team over. And that way, the whole congregation they do get fired up and put in posters up and preach in Kirtan and. That brings us all together. That yeah, so there's some things you can do that don't take a lot of money. You know, like going on a picnic on a Sunday, probably said everybody can cook for themselves, so you can just bring the same ingredients you cook for yourself. And, or everybody brings one prep and go out and eat it together in the park and have a little kirtan discussion. So something different a little bit, you know, it gets people, this, you, know, you can do, bring all the families and everyone has some program for the kids too. Seeing what they, you know, find out what the makeup is of the group. It's all the hashtags or students or things. If there's some colleges, they do some college programs. You got part of the Sainas. And we get some under the same as the organizers, under the same branch, under the same branch. If you want to keep in touch, I can help Kutaya Das also. He's our secretary of Congregational Preaching Ministry. He can do some inputs. Is that my knowledge? Is Krupamoya also part of this? Yeah, he's our national uh, leader for UK. Right, because we keep in touch with him regularly. Well, he's the main person to keep in touch with, but just in case anybody likes something. He's just one ideas and we can kind of explain our own goals. Hi, Do you have a congregational preaching newsletter? You got email? Yeah. In the journal? Um, we have the congregational newsletter is the only thing that we get. And 
we I publish that on the iscon.org.uk website as well. So I get it from Crippen Lawyer and I publish it on the website. So that others Where were the scores? Sorry? It's in this national one. Oh, sorry, no, don't get the international one. <coughs> we just get a yeah, uh, local um, a national one. From Crippen Lawyer. So we have an international one. Oh, no, we don't get that much. You're late. You're late. Would you like it? Yes, please, ma'am. There's a couple of books in there. I was looking for the truth. Yeah, understand. From Prabhupada, he gave a, he impressed me and he gave a very clear explanation. Then I applied what he taught and it worked. That further increased the faith. Say if you accidentally do something which you didn't consciously plan to do, and you, you realise that you know that is another part of the cycle. Like say I killed a fly by accident, a life, but it was an accident. And what does that go to my the cycle? Does that go to where I have to learn? Obviously, everything that's done according to what, uh, if a person is a basketball and they eat fish, it's not going to be as heavy as if you're living somewhere else and you have alternatives or other food stuff. It says there's five kinds of agyatapap, unexpected kind of accidental sins that we hardly can avoid. Killing insects when we walk and clean the house and things when we sweep. And then when we breathe, we're killing microorganisms. When we cook, like the next page, when we uh, light uh, fires and cook, when we plow the fields, this kind of thing is hard to avoid. Maybe uh, it's a little something, you know, maybe mm -hmm. Maybe not so much in England, but in, especially in India, where so everything's living, where it's so much tropical, that gives a lot more like, insects. So that doesn't, it's not a major sin, but it's still a sin. And when we're driving our cars, sometimes 
windshield wipers get filled with flies in the subway, smashing against the car. Run over a squirrel or something. <coughs> these are there, it's on our karmic record. So it says in order to get rid of these type of unavoidable sins, you have to do sacrifice. And those things you're not doing consciously, you're not intentionally doing, you really can't avoid it. It's just like, it's part of life. And those things that we can't avoid, like eating meat, we don't have to eat meat. Don't see it, it's still. Yeah, the back is a red button. That's there. Oh, okay. Did you get, you wanted us to stay in touch yesterday, you said? Did you get in the detail? What's your name, Hugo? Justin. 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 Yeah, a nephew. Yeah. Any questions? Any questions? I have a few questions, actually. Uh, <laughs> if um, one, if a devotee is in two minds to, to get married, if, if that devotee wants to stay celibate all his life, um, what thinks thinks about his partner, um, what should that devotee do if he knows, if a devotee knows um, that his partner, if he doesn't get married to, to his partner, there's every chance that she, she will get married to a non-devotee, she'll be forced by her parents to get married to a non-devotee, what should that devotee do, sacrifice his celibacy and get married to, to the Mahajan? And from, from then, when you get married, then the whole family will gradually be brought into Krishna consciousness. Or should I, should, well, or should I be selfish? <laughs> should I be selfish and just think about my own spiritual gains? Well, well once Robin says somebody's on two lines, whether to be married or not, probably should be married. It's not so easy to be a lifelong celibate. And even as a grihasta, one can be celibate by regulating themselves. That's another form of celibacy, regulated sex life. To have children. To <laughs> so, usually if somebody's already has a partner and anything, it's uh, before they, usually someone wants to be a lifelong celibate, they're already like living like a brahmacharya in some ashram and practicing.
strict uh, celibacy and brahmachari life. Do that for some years and then see whether they can think to do it, uh, to make a commitment to do it for the whole life. Because uh, theoretically it sounds real easy, but when you're actually doing it, it's a totally different thing. If you tell yourself, okay, even if someone who is a brahmachari, and then they have the idea, oh, actually I'll probably get married. It's also not so much pressure on them, it's when someone makes the commitment that, at least in, in, internally to oneself, that I'm going to be a lifelong soldier. Then one gets attacked in so many different ways. It's like, if you say, I'm not going to eat grains today because it's a codice, you know, okay, one grain, no grains. But if you say, I'm not going to eat grains for the rest of my life, then, then wait a minute, what about those pakoras? What about the samosas? Sweet rice? And all the wait a minute, it's like too far, you know. So, <clears throat> Sometimes people sentimentally they make some kind of uh, idea that it, it's something that shouldn't just be whimsically or very rationally thought. Something someone should do gradually and, and, and test themselves and see whether that's what is made up. There's a. Uh, are we back online? No. Look inside the red Yeah, I think so. Is it red? Does it say REC, report? Yes. So it was recording all the time. Huh? It must have been recording all the time. <laughs> yeah, because there's a little red button in the back. Yeah, it's on. That's the one that stops and starts the ones mm. in the recording mode. And the ones on the top oh, yes, is the VCR mode. I see it now. I don't have this like this one. No, I don't know. Your name is Justin too. Mm -hmm. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> Jotty, they call me. <laughs> Is there anything else you want personally from this Step on the line and whatever matches up. Not those words, You're probably, you're probably a lot safer if you have a Krishna conscious partner. I wouldn't marry someone just because they may marry a karmi, but marry someone because they will practice Krishna consciousness with you together and help you to create a Krishna community. You work as a team. Your marriage means a life team, life partner. But can you, can you get married and uh, not have children? Or is children a must? Get well, you can, have, you can try to have one child. You don't have to have two or fifteen. What if, what if you don't want any children at all? Is there any point getting married? Well, the idea of you getting married is if you have mercy on some. You know, what if you don't make it in the next life and everybody in the world wanted to do that? You want to get, give an opportunity to some soul 
to come in the world and, and to be Krishna conscious. So you can do a very careful Gagoda and Samskara, we can kind of give an opportunity to some spiritually <coughs> active soul to get a chance. There's no guarantee that I can see anything, but if you do, and if you don't want to have more, you can at least give one a chance. If Because the idea is that otherwise, uh, if you don't go through the full experience in Grihastha life, then the idea is that you may later on look back and say, well, I missed out on something, and then, that may, and then if you feel like that, it may bring you back to another birth. The idea is that you'll experience what is material life, you'll experience what is no material pleasure, and then you will also experience what's the higher spiritual pleasure, so then you don't look back. I don't have to worry, you know, I've already done that, I've been there, I have something better. But if you don't go through that, if you have strong enough faith, and you're just fixed up enough, and you're not attached, well, it's okay, it's okay. But for most people, you know, they get this, like, midlife crisis, like, you know, I missed out on something, <laughs> you find 45-year-old people looking like how to get married, and, you know, when they should have done it when they were, you know, 30s or 20s. And uh, carrying a baby around at the age of 50 when they should already be renouncing. Just like, uh, even if it's not, you know, it's like over 35, you start having kids. It's not fun, even, uh, you know, when you're too old, you're more edgy. So uh, you don't have the patience anymore to deal with it like you would when you were younger. Where it's like, uh, so you want to do this at the right time. So he reckoned probably reckon between 25 and 30, make a decision whether you, you want to be, if you're even thinking about being a lifelong celibate, then the idea is not if you, it's to live in an ashram. It's not like if somebody is living outside doing a job. Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.